Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Buca Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Well, if you have your Bibles with you on this morning, and you should, I want to invite your attention to the Gospel of John. John chapter 5, we'll begin our reading at verse number 1 of John chapter 5. John chapter 5, beginning at verse number 1. The word of the Lord reads on this morning, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to the Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem a sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches, and in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, A certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Isn't that something? And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Would you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, we bless you on today. We thank you for your incredible grace that has brought us thus far. You are an an enormous keeping God, one that is this always available to us. And even on this morning, we cry out to you, Lord, because we need you in our presence. We need you in the midst of this preaching moment. Father, I'm praying that you would use me, Lord, as a vessel in your hands to accomplish your will in such a way that you would speak to the hearts of your people right where they are. Father, if there's anyone who's unsaved and does not know you, Lord, let this be a day that draws them by the power of the preached word to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the saving of their souls from a destruction that is yet to come. Spirit of the Lord, I'm praying that those who have drifted in their fellowship, they perhaps have already been born again, they've already trusted you as Savior, but somehow and somewhere along the way, they've walked away from the fellowship with you. And so I'm praying, God, that you would draw them back to you on today. Father, someone needs you in an extraordinary way. They've been waiting all week for a word from you. And God, I'm praying this is the word that is coming to them on this day. Lord, allow this word to come forward so that they would know that you are speaking to them. Now, Lord, God, have thine own way. 
Uh, I just desire, Lord, that you allow my, my lips to be clear in speech, my mind to be clear in its thought, and that your word would come out as the very oracle of God. Spirit of the Lord, you will get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for all that is done in this place. In Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving and expectation. Amen and amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, started a series of messages entitled Miracles. We started in 1 Kings chapter 6, and we uh, spoke on the axe head miracle. And then on last Sunday, we were in Exodus chapter 14, uh, speaking there from the Red Sea uh, miracle. And as we looked into the Red Sea miracle, we learned a few things about that particular miracle and the way the Lord worked in that particular miracle. And we saw that that miracle was a miracle that was a divider. It was one uh, that divided the righteous from the unrighteous and it divided the waters that the children of Israel might cross across. It was not only a divider, but it was a deliverer. It was a, a means by which God had performed the miracle to deliver the children of Israel out of the hand and the grasp of the Egyptians. And finally, we saw that it was not only a divider and a deliverer, but also it was a destroyer. For in the same act of God delivering Israel and dividing the waters, he used these same waters and his same miracle to destroy the very enemies that were coming up behind them. And so we see as we continue to examine miracles that God has a, a multifaceted way of working miracles. And there is much that we can learn about miracles as we go on this journey. And that's, that's my effort. That's my attempt that we might learn about the miracle processes of God, that we might be able to look into the miracles of God, that we might realize and understand that there are miracles happening around us all the time, and God's not short on his ability to perform miracles. He's not, he's not counting them up and thinking, you know, I only got three more left, or I only got two more left. No, God, God can work miracles whenever he gets ready to, however he gets ready to, and whenever he gets ready to, on whomever he gets ready to. He's that kind of God. And I'm so grateful on this morning that we have a miracle-working God. Any witnesses in the house, any witnesses online that are glad on today that we have a miracle working God? Well, as we began to examine the miracles in the Gospels, I learned that there were at least 37 or more noted miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. That is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They note, um, and this is not to say this is all the miracles he performed during that time. This is just the ones that are noted. And so at least 37 of them are noted in the Gospels. And, and by the time he rides into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, as we are celebrating on today, uh, and as they are crying, Hosanna unto him and uh, save and save now which is what Hosanna means and they're crying out Hosanna to the most high they are declaring him in essence the anointed one by the time we get to that Jesus has already worked many miracles in the midst of his people in fact he had worked these four uh, miracles in Jerusalem as we look throughout the gospels but as we look into all of the texts we find out that there's a particular miracle that Jesus had performed that even drew people to this particular event when they were crying out, Hosanna. And that miracle that he had performed, most of you are familiar with, is the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. In fact, if you look in John chapter 12, you'll find that John even declares that many of the people came and laid these palms down in the ground and laid their coats down on the ground. Many of them came to this particular feast because they heard Jesus was going to be there and they knew this was the Jesus who performed miracles. 
And let me say it this way, while he had come into Jerusalem for this feast, in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem itself, the Bible records four specific miracles that he performed. Mark chapter 11 says that in, in Jerusalem, curse a fig tree, that the fig tree would produce no more fruit and, and would go, go on no more. In Luke chapter 22, he heals Malchus of his ear that has been sliced off. In John chapter 9, he heals a blind man by declaring the very same words, what do you want me to do for you? And and then there is here in this text where we find ourselves another miracle that Jesus performs that provides uh, evidence for the people to declare and cry out unto him, Hosanna, on a day of celebration. And that is this miracle that we look at here on today at the pool of Bethesda. I want to talk to you on this morning from the subject matter, the poolside miracle. Now, for most of you, I know it's been a while since we've been poolside because we got all shut down all last year. We couldn't go to the pool. We couldn't go to the amusement parks. We couldn't go nowhere. We, we kind of maybe even have forgot what it was like to be by the poolside. But, you know, the poolside is usually a pleasant place. But not so in this particular text. This particular poolside is a poolside where sick folk gather. Because at this particular poolside, it was a place where the miracles were performed. And the miracles that we see here in this uh, particular text uh, show us and prove to us that God performs miracles not just at his own decisions and whims, but he also oftentimes will invite in our desires. What is it that you want me to do? I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that, that God does, does ask us every now and then and gives us opportunity and involves us in this miracle working process. Because the miracles, as we look through this text and as we try to open up and learn a little bit more about miracles, first of all, we see that it, it involves your wants. It involves your wants. See, you look there as I'm going to walk through these first six or seven verses here, and I'm just going to kind of give you some context, some background, so that we can get to where where Jesus really helps us understand he's interested in what you want. Well, the Bible says here in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, after this, after what? pastor. Well, after Jesus had already been performing miracles, and in fact, specifically, he had just healed a man's son, and he had brought that son uh, by his very spoken word back from the, the brink of death, because this nobleman had run to Jesus and said, my son is dying. Jesus, come. And Jesus just declared, your son will is made whole. And at that very hour that he had spoken that thing, the man's son was made whole. And Jesus had moved from that place to this as he's moving into Jerusalem after this. And there was this feast of the Jews as he's moving his way toward the feast of the Jews and on this day as they were there at the sheep gate and all these people are gathered around the sheep gate and and Jesus is there and and when Jesus is there he he uh, comes upon this this place where where every now and then the miracles happen an angel comes down there's no specific time but people just hang around there for whatever time the angel comes down and when the angel comes down and stirs up the water and the water gets stirred up whoever steps in the water first whatever infirmity they have they get healed of now I, I can only imagine what a place like that would be like if there were such a place today 
I can only imagine the amount of people and the number of people who would be there and who would be there not only by themselves waiting for an opportunity to jump into the water when the water stirred, but those who have loved ones and children and grandparents and and family members who they care about and whom they want to be made well of the very infirmities that they're dealing with. I can just imagine the number of people who would be there to try to assist and try to block out people to make sure that my, my mama gets in first, my uncle gets in first, my cousin gets in first. I can only imagine this would be a place of chaos in this day and time. I can't imagine what exactly it looked like then, but I, I, I would only imagine that there's a whole lot of people sitting around these pools. And they're not sitting around trying to get a tan. They're sitting around trying to be made whole. Are y'all still here with me? So Jesus comes and uh, comes upon, and in this text it says you've got blind people, you've got lame people, you've got paralyzed people laying by the pool. I don't have time to deal with that, but I'm thinking to myself, if you're paralyzed laying by the pool, I'm not sure how you're going to get in. But they're there. They want to get in when the water stirs. And whoever gets in there first is, is healed. And then the Bible says there's a certain man. Verse 5 says there's a certain man. What I like about that is that when the Bible says a certain man and doesn't give you a a person's name, it could be you. It helps us to, to relate to the text. A certain man, it could be any man, it could be any woman, it could be anyone. But this man who had an infirmity for 38 years is by the pool, and Jesus sees him lying there, and Jesus knew that he had been there for a long time. 38 years, imagine that. And he's been dealing with this infirmity. Now, the text doesn't tell us his exact infirmity. It doesn't tell us the full extent of his his, um, infirmity. We know that perhaps it has something to do with lameness. We We know it has something to do with that because he's lying on the bed and he can't walk. But we don't know the full extent of his infirmity, but whatever his infirmity is, he's had it for a long time, and Jesus recognizes it. Jesus knows he's been there for a long time. Jesus knows it's been 38 years he's been dealing with that infirmity, and he knows how many years you've been dealing with yours. He knows it's been two months. He knows it's been a year now. He knows it's been five years now. He knows you've been praying night and day. He knows you've been 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 limping along or walking in a walker. God knows exactly how long your infirmity is. And guess what? He shows up in this extraordinary way, in this extraordinary time, not when the water stirs, not when everybody was expecting an opportunity for a miracle, but he shows up and he addresses this man and he says to the man there in verse number six, do you want to be made well? Y'all still here with me? Do you want to be made well? Now, now this is... One of two times, as I was kind of sharing a little bit earlier, this is one of two times when Jesus addresses someone specifically and asks him, what is it that you want? The other time is in in John chapter 9, when he asks the blind man, he says to the blind man, the blind man, what is it that you want me to do? Can you imagine God walking up to you and asking you, what do you want me to do? Can you imagine having a a miracle at your disposal and God just asking you whatever it is that you want? What is it that you want me to do? He comes to this particular man and he says to this man, do you want to be made well? Or do you want to be made whole? Do you want, what is it that you want? The question proves, watch this, that, that proximity does not actually equal desire. Stay here with me. In other words, just because you're close to the healing water doesn't mean you came there to be healed. 
Oh, Lord, help me here, Jesus. I thought y'all would have caught that one, at least here in the sanctuary. What I'm trying to say is just because you came to church doesn't mean that you came here for the purpose of what they're dishing out. Just because you read your Bible doesn't mean you're really trying to understand and, and, and take in what the Lord is saying. Just because you hang out around Christian folk don't mean you want to be Christian. Just because you do something or you're in the close proximity doesn't mean that's really your desire. Otherwise, Jesus would have never asked a man, do you want to be made well? It would seem logical that he wanted to be made well, that he's been with this infirmity for 38 years and he's right here by the side of a pool with everybody else who's lame and crippled and blind and waiting for the water to stir. It would seem the obvious, but apparently it's not. And so Jesus delves into the heart of the man. Jesus delves into the desires of the man. And I hear him delving into your desire this morning. Do you want to be made well? Lord, help us here. Far too often, the question is asked and the opportunity is presented to us. Because what this man does is what we do. When Jesus asks the question, do you want to be made well? The man says, well... Uh, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water stirs up. But, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Now, if I can fix that in, in the kind of way that we give our excuses, we, we give our excuses for all of our failures when God is asking you, do you want to succeed? Lord, help me, Jesus. In other words, do you want to be made well? He never answers that directly, but rather he focuses on his failure. And if you keep focusing on your failure, you'll never walk in your miracle. He, he says, look, I, I'm, I'm trying to get there, Lord. And every time I try to get there, somebody else comes down before me. And God says, but do you want to be made well? What is it that you want? Do you want to own your own business. Well, every time I try to start a business, this happened. He didn't ask you that. Do you want to be debt free? Well, I was trying to be debt free, but then I had to charge this and then I had to. He didn't ask you that. He says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to own your own business? Do you want a better job? Do you want to be safe? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to live righteous? What is it that you want? Don't focus on all the failed opportunities. Focus on the possibility of the miracle that he's presenting before you. This is God asking a man, do you want to be made well? It's not like some, some, some kook coming up. He, God has the authority. He has the power to do what he's asking for. So this, this miracle, it, it involves... You'll want it involves the want of the man. Do you want to be made well? I, I, I really love that question because I, I just hear God keep asking people, what is it that you want? Not, not what are you trying? Because, you know, I always I ask this question sometimes when I'm challenging people in terms of where they're trying to go. I ask them, what is it that you want? And, and they always tell me what they're trying. But I, I don't even ask. I, I don't say, what are you trying to do? I say, what do you want to do? Y'all still with me? And and what God asked this man is, what is it that you want? Not is it, what what have you been trying? And so he gives his answer what he's been trying. And so Jesus kind of cuts the chase. He goes right to the point, which helps us understand another part of the miracle. Not only does the miracle involve your want, but it involves God's will. Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Jesus saw his condition. He knew he had been there for 38 years. 
He knew how how long he had been there. He knew what he was dealing with. He knew he was struggling. But he asked that question, do you want to be made well? Which expresses God's will is in position. Listen to this. God's will is in position to make it happen. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If God says, what is it that you want? Do you want to be made well? What it tells me is that God's will is in position to make you well. So if God is presenting for you a question, what is it that you want? It means God is in position to do it. He's not just trying to play tricks with us. He's not just trying to jerk us around. No. Do you want to be made well? And if that's what your want is, if he, if he, if he poses that opportunity, then it's, it's because his, his will is in position to do it. Jesus says to this man, rise. Rise. Rise is spoken in the authority of the will of God. God's will is calling upon a man who's been sick for 38 years, who's been laying beside a pool with other sick people for who knows how many years, and the authority of God is saying, I don't care what put you here, I don't care how long you've been here, but right now, my authority says, rise up. Now, you got to understand something. Wait a minute, pastor. It's been 38 years. My legs don't move. My body aches. I've got atrophy in my muscles. My muscles are not strong. I've, I don't know. I, I haven't even remembered how to walk. Perhaps I don't, I've never walked. I don't know how to walk. I don't even know how to rise up. Someone has always carried me. Someone has always uh, helped me along. Someone has always been there for me. Stop telling God about your always. And rise up. Because his authority And his will says, you can. I'm really preaching way better than you saying amen. When the will of God says, rise up, his power is already at work to make it happen. The miracle is already moving to make it happen. And he says to this guy, rise up, watch this. And and what Jesus is going to give him three things that make the miracle complete. He says, rise up, number one, take up your bed, number two. Walk, number three. Now, if he rises up but doesn't take up his bed and doesn't walk, the miracle is not complete. It means God has inadequately healed him. If he rises up, he takes up his bed, but he cannot walk. It means God has come up short of fulfilling the complete miracle. Y'all still here? But what the Lord says to him is he says to him, to a certain man, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And notice in your text, and this story is only told here in John. Notice in your text, he doesn't, he doesn't ask any more questions about what you used to do. He, didn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't ask about any limitations. He doesn't have sympathy on the fact that the man doesn't know how to. He just speaks with authority. Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Now watch this. When, we, when, I, when I read through this, because the text comes back at verse 9, and it says, and immediately the man was made well. Do you want to be made well? Authoritatively? God's will? 
Rise up, take up your bed, and walk immediately. You see how God works in the immediate? Immediately, God caused the man to be made well. But watch this. The man is well, but the miracle is not complete. Lord Jesus, because the miracle involves your want. The miracle involves God's will, but the miracle also involves you walking. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us in person for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, or virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org. Or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.